0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Book Faces Live the show where we talk to the faces behind your books. I'm Nathan Van Koops. I'm your host and today I've got returning guest uh, Cecilia Mecca. Welcome back to the show Cecilia.
1: Hi Nathan. You've got that down pat now, huh? <laughs> I, I, yeah,
0: it's it's flowing out pretty good now. I can still mess it up. Don't 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 dare me cuz I will. Next episode I'm just going to butcher it. Um, yeah, no, it's I'm excited to, to do this conversation because um, A, I love hanging out with you. It's always fun. And always. This is almost like a follow-up conversation for us too, because we were just sitting in ink together and uh, having dinner at the at the at the beach, which was awesome. Um, and you know, we also we started geeking out about uh, Kevin McLaughlin says hi 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 Kevin. Um, we were geeking out about plot stuff, and then you sent me this amazing spreadsheet you have made of all of your uh, plot you know, devices stuck together and it kind of blew me away. And I'm like, ah, we got to talk about this some more. So
1: <laughs> the spreadsheet,
0: <laughs> the spreadsheet. Yeah. Because, um, one of the things that, you know, obviously we as writers develop in is our methods and strategies for how we build books. And so one of the things I'm excited to talk to you about today is, is how our sort of methods have evolved over the years as writers. And then, um, we can kind of like see what, why they're different, how they're different. I think that'll be a, a fun episode for people to to, to listen into. Yeah, so. look
1: at us two plot nerds because I, I don't know about you, Nathan, but I was not uh, into plotting at all. Like my first mm-hmm. book was complete. Actually, my first two or three really were mostly panster kind of books. And I called myself a panster once I knew what the term was. So I I have the the uh, spreadsheet behind you actually and I could see it. And I'm like, wow, I've come a long way from that. Yeah.
0: So. Yeah. And that, that's the thing is like, it's always a, a progression. And I think it's, yeah. it's fascinating to see what people's progression is. So, yeah. um, so along the way, obviously we we both read a lot of craft books and, um, you have to get this information from somewhere. So mm-hmm. my, my first question for you then is what were your, if you have to pick your top, let's say top three to five resources okay. Okay. that you would say were the most formative for you, what would you pick?
1: Yeah, so I'll talk about the first one, the first plotting book that when I finally stopped resisting the idea of, of plotting, um, and that was, and it's still my favorite, probably because it's sentimental. It was my first, and it was the one that kind of pulled me into plotting, and that is Rock Your Plot by Kathy Yardley. Mm. Uh, so that's my number one favorite. I I had it on audio, and then I bought it, and now I do go back and listen to it like every so often on audio. And uh, that one was kind of my formative plot Book.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, since then, as some of my favorites, I would say as a romance author, uh, "Romancing the Beat" by Gwen Hayes. Yep. It's small. It's short. It's amazing. Um, I was at a writers' retreat actually. It's a weekend thing. Somebody mentioned it, and I said, oh, "I'll have to read that." You know, one of those maybe someday. And she said, "Well, I have it right here, and it's very short." So mm-hmm. an hour later, I was like, "That's amazing." So that was a great resource because it was small but very actionable. Um, I'm a huge fan of K.M. Wyland and all of her stuff—the podcast, the book. Uh, I wrote it down here so I knew I'd forget, Structuring Your, structuring your Novel is her plot structure book, okay. and but I actually found her through podcast, and she talks about structure but all kinds of story things, and I also have her character build um, book as well, which is really, really good. So those, I'd say the biggies, what else did I write down? Blake Snyder, Save the Cat, I have to throw go. that in because yeah. um, I learned a lot, You know, and it, it was obviously... Geared toward. I don't have the new one, which is for novels. That mm-hmm. one was geared to screenplays, but I yeah. think that definitely opened my eyes. So there's others, but I'd say those are the huge, big ones for me. Yeah,
0: well, that's interesting, and I'm happy that um, mine are actually mostly different. Save the Cats. Are on, they? On I was, my, I was if they overlap. Of, yeah, Save the Cats kind of on my list, kind of probably in the top five, um, but and Save the Cat writes a novel. I, I, I like that one too. Uh-huh. But the other ones, I'm excited that yours are different because now I have new things I get to go read, which is exciting. I did I did read "Romancing the Beat." I thought that was excellent, it's, it was. and I've loaned it out to other friends as well, um, just because so many stories, even if you're not writing romance, oftentimes they have a romance subplot, and you right. have to understand how romance works. And, and that book is amazing.
1: Yeah, just um, plotting out the that's the only one that addresses the dual POVs because you need yeah. you know each of the, the heroine and the hero um, have to have their own. Mm-hmm. Flat,
0: basically. Yeah. and Kevin says I think Snyder's original is better for novelists than the new one anyway although both are good and I, I would agree Kevin I think yeah. I felt that same way that. I think I got more from the original than I did the second one I picked out a few things that I thought were good but they I would agree that that uh, the, the original was was the best mm-hmm. um so my my top uh, that's the only three to five oops I'm sorry you just hear yourself for a second I don't know I uh, <laughs> Thought I had the sound off, but um, I was looking for more comments. The um, my top three are um, so Dan Harmon's Story Circle is actually one of my uh, favorite methods. So um,
1: writing it down,
0: yeah. So Dan Har- Harmon was the, the the screenwriter who wrote Community, the TV show Community, and also um, there's a a couple of other series he's done, and he has some some videos online. And the plot embryo or uh, story circle is basically a concept that, that you work like a clock all the way around from the from the top, from the heroes. Um, you basically take the hero's journey. Mm-hmm. Um, but his particular way of doing it I thought was excellent. He does some – there's some lectures online on YouTube that I think are great. And that has been a game changer for me. Um, in conjunction with that, and I'm kind of cheating for my top one spot, um, I also found a program a couple – Years ago, called Novel Factory, which I heard that yeah, which um, James uh, from you know the self-publishing show had mentioned it on his list of things that he found found useful, or it was on it was in like an honorable mention category of like writer tools, mm-hmm. and I got in there and, and looked into it, and it kind of combined some things like the Snowflake Method um, and the Hero's Journey and a whole bunch of other stuff into a, a specific program that's almost like fill in the blank. You start with. Your, your tagline. Then you sort of write a pair, You start one writing one sentence, and you write turn that one sentence into a paragraph. You turn that one paragraph into five paragraphs. You turn each of those into their own page, and then you slowly build your outline that way. And I thought it was fascinating. and I thought it was it was really interesting the way it sort of gamified the, the, the system, mm-hmm. and it combined a lot of major um, plot devices from other authors things like that, and then and put it all in one place, which I thought was wow. great. And I think it's one of those things we can go through the program once internalize all the methods and then, um, it's like a subscription thing, it's like six bucks a month or something so. um, But then you can do it all in Scrivener as well. It's very possible to just do the exact same thing in Scrivener, you don't necessarily have to keep Nelefactory the whole time. Keep using.
1: I was gonna ask you that, if you still use that or not. Yeah,
0: I stopped using it just because I learned as much as I could from it, I think, and then um, now still use those methods in conjunction with other things. But um, the other ones, so my other, my top also include uh, Libby Hawker's Take Off Your Pants Yes, Which good I think one. is fantastic, and, and her concept of um, funneling each scene into the next one, like, and having, like, the symbol crash idea was, was huge for me. Yep, and, love her. And right now I'm listening to um, Robert McKee's story, uh, which is, he's a screenwriter, Robert McKee, but his, a lot of his stuff um, fed into the Story Grid podcast, which is also kind of, like, on my list of, of tops, because mm-hmm. Story Grid was daunting for me initially when I first started trying to read just the book by itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I went back and listened to the podcast in addition to reading the book and it was huge. So mm-hmm. um, so there's a lot of those methods that I've incorporated. And then of course, like I said, um, Save the Cat is, on, is also on my list from, from Blake Snyder, just because of how great it is at genre. Like yeah. he really takes genre and and breaks it down and, and really helps you analyze story, which I think mm-hmm. is fantastic. So those are my those are probably my top five,
1: and now I have new plot books to read. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is
0: a win-win for everybody.
1: This is great. Yeah, that's just what I need—is more. No, I do. I need. I need more. I have a goal, which is to read something plot in between every book and yeah. incorporate it in. So this is awesome. Yeah,
0: yeah I'm the same way. I, I, for me, it's always a craft in between mm-hmm. books is is craft stuff, and I think it's important to always be be feeding that. And you mentioned that you had um, John Truby's. Uh, Anatomy of a Story on your list. Which Look I, at you! You have yeah, got also, the book.
1: I don't even have also, it. I'm not that far yet. Yeah, it was. He was at 20 books. It was amazing. Um, some of the themes he just really resonated, and I, I thought, okay, this is someone I could definitely get into. So I haven't really gone beyond the 20 book slides, but I definitely uh, plan to.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I was yeah. just finishing a book, so now that it's done, like I said, usually in between books is my craft time. So now I don't know if I should start with Truby or a Story <laughs> Circle. I don't know where I'm gonna go, but definitely. I have a new hit list.
0: Yeah, this is awesome. So, tell me about what your so now you finished a book. You're gonna start a new book. What's yes. that look like for you? What is your process when from the time you sit down and be like, all right, I'm just at, at square one, like zero. Yeah. What's Sa rasa what's your process? blank
1: page ready to go, <laughs> yeah, I just finished a novel uh, one thing is i don 't wait, so I finished the novella this morning at like seven thirty because okay. I start pretty early in the day once the kids are on the bus, and uh, it was one T in between before I jumped into the new one um not that it'll i 'll start writing it right away, but i I start pl- um, plotting it, and so for me because i'm this one is historical romance. It always starts with the history, so I usually, by the time I'm writing, I know the time period I'm in, so that's what today was. Tomorrow, well, Thanksgiving. No, I'll probably work when everybody's before they're up and awake. Yeah. (laughs) No rest for the weary. I love it. So I'll just read a little bit more about, um, you know, King Alexander and that whole time period, and usually by then, after a few days of kind of really delving into a particular year and a time and a place, things start to kind of open up for me, and Mm -hmm. um, I've already have probably a, a plot, you know, in the shower and on a run or wherever it's starting to formulate. So when I put the history plus maybe what I'm thinking together about maybe the hero, like for instance this next book, I have the hero down in my head. I have no idea about the heroine. So I'm hoping mm. she kind of comes through the historical facts and things. Um and then once I am done reading the research and I do get to the plot I have, as you know, a spreadsheet now, and actually before that spreadsheet, I have another one that's just for character. So I always start with character. Romance is very character-driven. Um, so I kind of have these, you know, little spreadsheet tabs, and it kind of delves into who the character is and their motivations and their, you know, flaws and their everything. So I've kind yeah. of taken a lot of KM Weiland stuff and just things I've read about character and what I know my own characters, I want them to be. And I've just kind of put it into a little spreadsheet. So that's what I'll do for the hero. And then the heroine, you know, it's really just kind of a checklist. So it goes, obviously the, what they look like, things like that, but then into, um, who they are. Um, one thing is fun that I do. I'll have my husband uh, quiz me. I'll say, okay, so my next hero is Nathan Van Koops and he's pilot and did it. And then I'll say, go. And then he'll start asking questions. Well, um, this particular Nathan isn't, you know, a medieval knight, but if he was, he would say, so wh- who's the first person Nathan killed? Or he'll throw out these real curveballs.
0: Oh, fun. I, like, I
1: don't know who the first person he killed. He said, well, he's a knight. He killed someone for the first time and yeah. that had to be big. Who was it? Why did he kill him? You know, things I wouldn't think of that oh, aren't fantastic. in the spreadsheet. Yeah. And that's been a part of the process, which is a lot of fun. So it definitely starts with character and, uh, and then I get to the actual plotting of the book. So that's how
0: about what you? Kind of- yeah. Um, so I've been doing a new method, which I I am excited about, where I start out with with genre, of course, and I look at because I write at the intersection of genres a lot of times. So mm-hmm. I'm we were just, just talking about how what a terrible idea that is. Most of the time. <laughs> but <laughs>
1: Everybody should run out and do that. Exactly. Yeah, but yeah. if you are yeah.
0: writing to market or you're trying to obviously write in any genre, whether it's like my original series of time travel or this new one I'm writing, um, has a lot of like fast cars and stuff. So. I have to look at the overall genre, and then I do what I call uh, trope soup, where I take, I equate it to taking the the puzzle pieces out of the box first and just dumping them on the table. So for me, it's making a whole bunch of lists of things that are um, obligatory scenes. For example, if I'm writing my last book, when I was writing, you know, I knew there was a car element, so I needed car chases, I needed um, a race, I needed, you know, a scene maybe yeah. like a car. Um, show scene, like I was watching a bunch of car movies and thinking, well, Mm -hmm. what are the things that show up in all these? And then writing them down. And then it was also like a medieval story. So I was writing a bunch of medieval stuff. And then I was like, okay, well, there's knights and swords and all this other stuff. And I need all these things. I need sword fight, I need a losing sword fight, and then I need a winning sword fight. And then Mm -hmm. it's like the basic stuff. So if you're writing Karate Kid or Rocky or whatever, you know the basic things, the scenes, the obligatory scenes that have to be there. So you write all those down, right? But then I started going through the other puzzle pieces as I'm starting to like figure out the, the edges of the puzzle you know plot wise I also am big on the the concept of narrowing so I take um, all of these settings and like say for example I, I want to use a um, well I was watching a bunch of movies right and I was thinking okay well things typically narrow in setting from from the op- most open to the most narrow for example Harry Potter ends up you know, um, gets on a train. He's he's in the wide world to begin with, but by the end of the the climax, he's under a castle in a tunnel. You know, surrounded by fire. So he, there's nowhere else for him to go. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, like um, Pirates of the Caribbean, you know, the heroes end up, you know, on a ship, and then they end up on an island, and then they end up in a cave under. They have to go underground in the in the cave on an island. So like they mm-hmm. they lose all of their options. So I start thinking about my settings in terms of broadest options down to Narrowest options, and I start sort of arranging the pieces of the things that I want to see in this action story. For example, by order of how many options does this give the character, and when the least amount of options should go closest to the climax. And that's kind of like um, part of my my way of just framing it out. And then what I started doing recently, which is new, is I started using the Damon Swades verbalize um, hmm. concept when it comes to actually doing the character part, where you're saying like where you're going through and actually building your character. Because he his method of of choosing a verb instead of using verb choosing a description, I think is fascinating. I love so that. So I, I went and bought his verb thesaurus and just went through and just had a blast with this last book, finding all of the action verbs and then finding all the the associated verbs that go with it and all, and fleshing out a character based on um like what they what they do. Like for example, in my in my new book, I created a a, um, a sheriff character. And um, I realized that that the main purpose of this character was basically just getting in the way all the time. So like through that verb, like through that verb thesaurus, I was able to find all these other actions that they do, which basically are similar to basically obstruction because they jail. You know, I mean, they separate, they confiscate, they do all these things that a sheriff would do that basically stops you from being able to do what you're trying to do. And I, and it helped me just to actually even come up with a name. Uh, he had a verb in there called Trammel, uh, which was, a you know, which it relates. And I'm like, well, that's kind of a cool name. I'm just gonna make that, the, or, the, or that's a kind of a cool word. I'm just gonna make that the name of the character. So it's gonna I be, it. you know, Sheriff Trammel is gonna be like the character. So um, oh. that was just a side character that I wasn't even trying to necessarily flesh out right away, but because of I went through that method, it gave me so much more, more to work with. Now I knew how to describe them. Now they're going to be sort of a ponderous person who's literally like an obstruction everywhere they go. You know, like that, like it, it fits with their character. So that was fun to do. And I then, love
1: that. I'm stealing that. <laughs> yeah,
0: do it. I mean, I just got it from Damon. He's amazing. He has such a um, a cool insight into that. It does. And then the other thing I do is I start to look at my um, opening and closing mirrors and also my like hero antagonist mirrors
1: mm-hmm. because
0: you've got obviously... Um, you know, like Harry Potter is a mirror image of Voldemort, like, but mm-hmm. with a different choice because their verb was different. You know what I mean? Like the thing that they decided to do, the action that they took was different, mm-hmm. even though Tom Riddle and Harry were the same. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you can do it to almost any any um, character, for example. Mm-hmm. Like in my one of my favorite movies is Zootopia. I don't know if you've seen that one. Before, I but love like,
1: Zootopia, yeah. But the
0: bunny character and her antagonist are basically the same character. Same. They're yeah. prey animals. They They both want the same thing. They both want, want to make the world a better place. But... One of them overcame their prejudice, one of them didn't. You know, it's like, so they've had the same flaw even, you know? So it's like, if you start looking at the mirror image of your characters, like when you start opening up your scene and like, and once you understand your your protagonist, mm-hmm. it helps you to sort, sort of fill in the details on your antagonist because they want have the same goal. They usually have the same desire, even though they have a different method of getting there. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course your opening and closing images are often always the same. You know, hero mm-hmm. leaves on a journey, hero comes back. At the end, uh, changed. Which I think is so. There's a lot of the the pieces of the puzzle that you can Mm -hmm. put in the right part of the puzzle, at least, before you fill in all the connecting gaps. And I think, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I also really liked, um, so my next step after that is, of course, using the Story Grid stuff where they have, there's a five, he believes in, Sean Coyne always is big on doing a um, inciting incident, progressive complications, crisis, climax, and resolution for every act and then mm-hmm. have them get progressively worse.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So those are like your core 15 scenes, he calls them. And then yeah. like kind of plugging those in kind of builds the the structure of the story so that you know that it flows as well. And then after that, then you can, that's where all the fun fun happens, of course. Once you have those major tentpole pieces up, now you can actually see the thing and have some fun to, to play.
1: To play around. That's what I'm actually pulling up as we speak, you know, the master color-coded spreadsheet. That yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so give give us a few of the other ones that are on there. To see, uh, okay, so
1: some other ones that are on there. Let's see. Uh, I'm going to move you over a little bit.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They're all kind of based on. So one thing I thought that was interesting, John Truby talked about like the not necessarily following three X structure, and and mm-hmm. I'm like, uh oh, this is a problem yeah. because my entire spreadsheet is based off three X structure. Um, it's okay. I'm sure I could work it in somehow, but. Uh, and Kathy Yardley, who's really was the, like I said, the foundation, um, she's very kind of basic, you know, with the act one, act two, act three, inciting incident, plot point one, two, three. And then she has the pinch points in between and the, I don't know if she calls it the black moment. I can't remember.
0: Yeah. Dark I call and it black soul. moment.
1: Yeah, Dark Knight of Soul, whatever it is. So really those are you talked about an outline before. As much of a plotter as I am, and this is for people who don't plot that are like I don't. this isn't for me. Yeah. I don't outline very heavily. It's mm-hmm. really the a lot of character stuff, and then I go into this this um, kind of broader outline and I do know, you know, pinch points, black woman, all of that. But then from there, I, I pretty much go. So I know if I if I have to get from zero to Let's say six thousand words. So this is a fifty thousand novel, which is what I've been writing. In- inciting incident is at six thousand words. So I'll have that plotted out, like how many words. Actually, the spreadsheet when you change the, I even have my husband put it in so it calculates. So a fifty thousand word novel. This is when the inciting incident happens. So yeah. I just know I have from zero to six uh, six thousand to get to that inciting incident. Mm-hmm. Um, I do spend a lot of time obviously in that opening scene and the opening chapter. Kathy Ardley has a lot of information on that as does K Weiland. lots of people do. Yeah. Um so I spend extra time there but aside from that it's just I know I know I need to get there.
0: Yeah.
1: Um let's see so most of them are based on that but uh let's see four x structure Karen Woodward I'm just going to go through all of them Christopher Christopher Vogler, A hero's journey and Joseph Campbell obviously romance in the beat Gwen Hayes we mentioned like Snyder, Save the Cat, Sean Coyne, The Story Grid, which mm-hmm. I did struggle with this one a bit, too. And I think romance can get a little funny. Like, Hero's Journey doesn't fit all the time, mm-hmm. but you have the two POVs, and it's, you know, you were talking about antagonists, and I thought, that's interesting, because that plotting method necessarily wouldn't work for most of my novels, because I'd say 80% of the time, I don't have an antagonist, or maybe 70% of the time. Um, right. the antagonist it's a different story structure. Situation. Yeah. Right, it's like the... I need the hero and the heroine to play off of each other. And the antagonist is a lot of times with the hero. Um, you know, I, I have them basically to the point where they can't get together because of what one of them has or doesn't have. So they play off each other, but there's not really an antagonist. So anyway, um, let's see. We have uh, Libby Hawker. Is it Libby Hawker? Take yeah. off your pants. Yep. Yeah. Kathy Yardley, rock your plot. K.M. Wyland, structure novel. And then I have other rando from various yeah. <laughs> Random, I don't even know I like where that I got to
0: things.
1: so and then like I said I'm going to add John Truby and some of your stuff in here now too so
0: I think that that's that's fun yeah those are some all really good resources I think it's interesting that you brought up the the, the romance element of how choosing your uh, ally or in this case you know your romantic interest mm-hmm. um, that's something that has a lot more in common with for example like the Zootopia plot where mm-hmm. she's got an ally that there's a meet cute. Basically, she has to meet yeah. this character, who in this her case has to be a fox because her her major flaw is prejudice against foxes, yeah, and, and predators in general. And he has to be the one to force her to change to confront her flaw, which I think is interesting. That if you want if anyone wants to watch a really tight ten minute opening, like that that movie Utopia is probably the most perfectly structured first ten minutes. Like they manage to get out of Act One in ten minutes, which I think is amazing. But then they also set up everything. Like for her, that character had to be the one who pushed her, pushed her the farthest. Because if they yeah. had chosen any other animal or any other character to be her love interest slash partner, because mm-hmm. you know the buddy cop film and the romance film are the basic, the same basic mm-hmm. structure, according to Blake Snyder, um, you have to choose the person that's going to mm-hmm. push them the hardest, that's going to push yeah. all their buttons and make them that- confront their. Their flaws so but you that's have
1: to almost every book so if it's a, it's a scottish hero it has to be i mean if that particular novel calls for it, the border series it's i have an entire series based on that yeah. it's on the border and it's that push-pull like scottish yeah. english you know if i have a clan and they absolutely hate the english well of course my heroine has to be english you know right. it's, it's gonna have to happen yeah. um so and that's always a lot of fun so I, whoever comes first in my head like this particular the next novel i'm working on um, it's also a collaboration, which is fun, because that I haven't done that in a while, so it's a co-write with another author, so there's that element, too. But I have the hero first, so he's already in my head, and I know him, so she will start to take shape based on what he's lacking, what he needs, you know, mm-hmm. what he likes, what he dislikes, and uh, so I guess, in a way, it's, it's like an antagonist situation, but not an antagonist.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned that you spend a lot of time on the beginning, and I think that's an important thing yeah. for people to do, to understand their beginning, A, where the beginning should even start, the why this day. Of, of why is your story starting here, and then also how the setup from your opening act one impacts everything about it, about the rest yeah. of the story. Your dark moment is gonna be the antithesis of what your uh, hero's goal is. Um, yep. I use this, for example, the Zootopia example is like, she, she overtly states within the first couple minutes, I wanna make the world a better place. So you obviously know what, the, what her dark night of the soul is going to be. Like She has made the world a worse place. Not just that she failed. Not just that she failed to, to achieve her goal, but she actually did the opposite. Then yes. that's, I think, where writers can push themselves a little farther. Instead of saying, like, oh, well, she's just not going to make the world a better place. No, she's, she act- actively made the pro- world she, a worse place.
1: She did the opposite. Yeah, and yeah. Like,
0: I think if you can take that moment and you can think about what your character wants and really drive them the other direction mm-hmm. in that dark night of the soul, you have such a better impact and it's so much more... Of a mirror of, and they really have to dig a little deeper to yeah. confront them their issues, and then actually make it through the climax. Um, but it's all, it's all set up. It's all in the beginning that you have to. It, set this it really up.
1: is that I spend so much time. I'm assuming most people do a lot of time in that first chapter. I'm looking for it now. Yeah, it's K.M. Weiland. I thought it was. She has a lot of great information on this. So okay. um, she, I can't remember the name of it. Is it? Do you know her character book, character arcs? character arcs by k.m wyland or something character arcs by k.m wyland that is honestly one. i know it's not necessarily plotting but it is one of the best um craft books that i have ever read i that's another one i reread periodically and she talks a lot and she'll ask specific questions to the point where you're like i can't answer any more questions i want to start writing the book But she asks so many questions to get you to really push that beginning you know the opening scene the opening chapter by the time i'm like I'm sweating by the time chapter one is done. I'm yeah. like, that was really hard because I feel so pressured to get so much, you know, the stakes and all mm-hmm. kinds of good stuff in there. Um, if I was not a plotter and I did nothing else, I would probably look at that specific information about, you know, setting up that first chapter because mm. then you're not going to be able to avoid it. You're like, oh, well, you know, if I have to walk the back black moment back, so she talks about pinch points. the pinch points are nothing more than kind of walking that so the black moment is the absolute worst thing that can happen, which is mm-hmm. easy I, in some ways romance usually is them breaking up and for some reason or you know
0: yeah.
1: um when I walk that back all the way to the very beginning, like you said, I know exactly what has to happen you mm-hmm. know what the pinch points are in each of the each of the acts so
0: that's it's a smart something. move to, to reverse engineer it take what you yep. know and then reverse engineer what you don't know from those moments. Yeah. So it's like whether you're building the puzzle pieces, you know, forward to backwards or backward to forwards, it's still the same thing because they're yeah. still going to be mirrors. They're still going to be reflections of each other. Um, yeah. So yeah, that, that's, that's exciting. I'm going to definitely dive into those novels next probably, I think, or those uh, <laughs> structure books next, which I think is, we
1: both have homework now. Great. I
0: know this is super time exciting. <laughs> <laughs>
1: all,
0: all of our family will be like, what are you doing? What, where are, where have you been this whole I holiday? Mean, just... It's like, um, I got a new reading list. So, <laughs> See you guys later. Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm reading
1: tropes, and you mentioned tropes. I do have to mention I have so leaned into tropes lately. It's not mm-hmm. to the point where I, it's almost embarrassing to admit, but I now have a trope Tuesday in my reader group because mm-hmm. I want to delve into. I know what the tropes are, and I know what they. I want to know why they like what they like, and. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of reasons, but talking about using them in ads and all over the place. But
0: yeah,
1: I have definitely leaned into tropes, and uh, so we had like alpha male yesterday, trope Tuesday, alpha male. Tell me your favorite alpha alpha male books and what do you like about alpha males. And it's only been two weeks, and I'm already I have so much information already. I'm like I, I have to stop.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: because they're really kind of delving deep. But I think. That word and that concept. I mean, we know it's important, but I definitely think I need to be more deliberate about how it's woven into my marketing. Even so, um, I just wanted to mention that because you tossed yeah. that out, and I was like, "Yeah, that's
0: that's huge." And I think it's really under—it's important to understand the tropes of your genre so that you can also turn them on their heads. So sure. you can do something a little bit different because you don't want to go from trope to cliche. Sure, absolutely. And you want to go the other way. So mm-hmm. it's like, okay, here's this thing. Here's this genre convention that my readers really want. How yeah. can I offer it in a fresh and surprising way that they yeah. haven't seen before that will be memorable? Because I think the most, the worst thing that our books can be is forgettable. Yeah. And um, so I think, but it's one of those things you have to understand it before you can really... Uh, before
1: you can do that. Yeah. And that's what I'm loving about this. If I, enemies to lovers, like who doesn't there's not a romance reader out there that doesn't love that trope, but what is it about it that we love that, like you said, so I can kind of have, go beyond just he's English, she's Scottish, and they, you know, there's got to be more to it than that, so, yeah, um, yeah, it's fun, isn't it? (laughs) Oh my gosh, it's
0: so much fun, and I think that's half the problem of of reading these craft books is like you get partway through it and you get so excited to go write. I'm ready. (laughs) Yeah, you're like, I got to use this, and I think that it's, um, I don't really believe in, in writer's block because like if you're if your well is empty, go read one of these books because they're yeah. going to trigger all of your ideas and ideas and ideas because this is the stuff of story. This is, the, this is what makes us tick as okay. human beings. And the more you talk about it, the more excited you're going to get about it as a writer. And the more you're going to start to just – we always – because you can read the same book. Over and over again, but you've got new characters populating your mind now because you've already written the other books. So now you just you're automatically plugging in your characters into whatever <laughs> book that you're reading and it creates a new story. Yeah. And uh, I think that's that's the wonder of plotting. Yeah. Um,
1: it's good stuff. And that's why families are good too. And I write a lot of clans, you know, because yeah. then you have the built-in kind of the, the one I'm writing now is the four brothers. So, you know, there are it's taking shape. As one brother takes shape and his family, so does the other. The rest of them. So I'm yeah. excited. Yeah.
0: yeah. I'm excited too. Well, I hope um, I, I promised that I would keep this episode short because I know you get, you get some more fun holiday
1: it's, it's outings fine. to do. I know yeah, that you, I had to laugh at you know, Nathan mentioned FOMO, and I was like, I have never experienced that. I have no idea. They're <laughs> very much alike. So you know.
0: Yeah. Haven't <laughs> like, experienced it because life. you <laughs> always showed up. That's why, for the fun. If there's fun, there will not be a here.
1: party I won't be at. I'm not going to be that. missing
0: out. There's no missing out. Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah, I really, fine. I really appreciate you taking the time to um, come and, and chat today and, and share your resources and your experience. This it's very- I
1: love it. And I, I, like I said, I, we started off by uh, talking about how today is like the best day ever because I'm actually going to see some live, real people, which yeah. is great for a writer. But then also getting to talk to you, which is always super fun um, because it can be lonely sometimes during the day as a writer. So yeah. anytime. You know, your listeners will be pretty bored, but I'll be thrilled.
0: <laughs> I don't think they will ever be bored with your episodes. So, <laughs> so uh, thanks yeah. for having Yeah, thank you for being here. Thank you, everyone, for watching. I hope you got some useful tips and strategies from the show, and I look forward to uh, talking to you again soon in another, another episode. So long.
1: See so, ya. Yeah.